0: Hey everyone, before we get into today's episode, I just wanted to insert a quick disclaimer. Today's topic includes mature themes that aren't suitable for all audiences, and as always, we will be discussing some pretty spooky stuff, so listeners' discretion is advised. Thank you for your understanding, and without further ado, let's get into today's episode. When I was growing up, one of my favorite activities involved spending time by the lake. Splashing through the shallows, my swimsuit would gradually adopt an orange tint, courtesy of the vibrant Georgia clay. Those earliest years were devoted to exploring a natural lakelet on the outskirts of Augusta. Of course, as I got older, things began to change, as did the watering holes in which I used to escape the southern heat. In fact, by the time I was 15, I had traded that small secluded lagoon for a much larger man-made reservoir outside of Atlanta, one that harbored a rather insidious reputation. Now, if you share the same reverence for the paranormal as I do, then you're probably well aware of this particular lake. Yes, you heard that right. I spent the better half of my teenage years swimming in waters so notorious that they're said to be cursed. Suffice it to say, I have some very fond memories of this haunt. But at the same time, I can recall some incredibly dark points in its history. So, naturally, it only seemed right to discuss these drowned-out tales on this podcast. But before we do, I'd like to extend a very special thank you to my friend Farah over at the Conversation Cabin. She and her daughter Sierra covered this haunt a few weeks back, and I must say I found their coverage to be an invaluable resource while I was writing this week's episode. Don't worry, I'll have the Conversation Cabin linked in today's show notes, so make sure you go check out that episode. But first, let's take a deep dive into the very dark waters of the infamous Lake Lanier. I'm Courtney Hayes, and you're listening to Haunts. Stay tuned. Spanning across 39,000 acres, Lanier stands as Georgia's largest lake. Although it's worth mentioning that this title didn't come naturally. It was back in the 1940s when the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers proposed the concept of a man-made lake, the likes of which would address a few problems that Georgia had only recently encountered. You see, at the time of this proposal, the city of Atlanta was experiencing a bit of a population boom. And, consequently, Georgia found itself in need of a reliable water source. Beyond this essential need for drinking water, the Army Corps called for this reservoir to provide hydroelectric power to Atlanta, which, of course, would help to further sustain the city's growing population. Not to mention that the inclusion of such an expansive lake would hopefully manage flooding, which can be quite common during Georgia's rainy season. Outside of its practicality, the proposed Buford Dam and Reservoir would serve a few additional purposes. For one, a lake of this size would have its recreational benefits. But beyond that, this project would also open up an opportunity for fish and wildlife conservation. All in all, it seemed that a man-made lake would be a great addition to North Georgia's landscape or at least it did on paper, which is why the project was ultimately approved and granted a hefty budget of approximately $45 million. Although, as construction began on the Chattahoochee River in the spring of 1950, it became evident that Lake Lanier had come with a few problems. For starters, this proposition, when approved, greatly affected the water rights for a sizable portion of the southeast meaning that Georgia, Florida, and Alabama were at odds with one another when it came to how the project should be executed. Now, outside of water rights, there was a much larger elephant in the room. Because, as I mentioned earlier in this segment, the development of Lake Lanier would require a sizable portion of land. And at that time, at least, that sort of acreage wasn't readily available. Surely, you can see where I'm going with this, right? As a matter of fact, the majority of the controversy surrounding this project laid in the fact that tens upon thousands of acres would be ceased and then flooded. Oh, and up until that point, this land had been used for residential purposes. In short, throughout its development, Lake Lanier would evict countless families from their homes, lay waste to dozens of neighborhoods, and on a few occasions, even submerge entire towns. I know, by now this whole project sounds like it was more trouble than it's worth. But this is where the feel of things goes from odd, somewhat boring documentary to downright eerie horror film, the likes of which even Steven Spielberg probably wouldn't touch with the 10-foot pole. You see, throughout the process of drowning nearly 60 square miles of George's landscape, there was very little effort made in the way of demolition meaning that the majority of the structures ceased for this project were swallowed by the very same waters that condemned them. This included everything, from homes and school buildings to grocery stores and churches. And if that weren't enough, then you might be mortified to hear that 20 separate cemeteries now sit, lost and forgotten, at the bottom of Lake Lanier. So, yeah, I guess it's no wonder why these waters are said to be so unholy. Admittedly, Lake Lanier does not come without its share of tragedies. I mean, by now it's clear, the lake's origins are far from the norm. But aside from that, its history is also incredibly grim. As a matter of fact, Lake Lanier has been linked to roughly 700 deaths, with over 200 occurring between 1994 and 2022 alone. These incidents range from inexplicable boating mishaps and accidental drownings, to excessive partying and wildlife encounters, solidifying Lake Lanier as one of the deadliest bodies of water in all of America. And, of course, with a reputation like that, most locals can't help but to entertain notions of the supernatural. Whispers of a curse have likely been swirling around North Georgia since those less-than-humble beginnings, or at least since the mid-'90s, when Lanier's body count began to grow at an exponential rate. Although there are murmurs that this alleged curse dates back over a century, to a regrettably dark point in Georgia's history. At the start of the 20th century, The town of Oscarville was, by all means, a thriving little community. Situated along the banks of the Chattahoochee River, Oscarville sat on the floodplain that would one day be called Lake Lanier. Now, back in those days, Jim Crow laws were grossly in effect throughout the southeast. And being that Forsyth County sat in the heart of rural Georgia, it was not immune to this inequality. So at the time, Oscarville was a safe haven for approximately 250 segregated families. Then came the fall of 1912, when 18-year-old May Crow vanished after a visit to her aunt's house. The following day, May was found on the banks of the Chattahoochee, not far from the town of Oscarville. She was alive but unconscious and badly bleeding after her throat had evidently been slashed. In the weeks that followed, May Crow succumbed to her injuries. And as tragic as that was, things only got worse when the crime was pinned on a local teen named Ernest Knox. Apparently, a small compact mirror was found in the woods on the afternoon of Crow's murder, an item that allegedly belonged to Knox. And even though the mirror wasn't found in the immediate vicinity of Crowe's body, or anywhere near the crime scene for that matter, Knox was eventually arrested and taken to the Gainesville County Jail. On the way, due to a mix of coercion and his own justified anxiety, Knox confessed to attacking Mate Crowe on the morning of September 9th. The following day saw the arrest of another Oscarville local, 24-year-old Rob Edwards, who, as it turns out, was married to Knox's cousin. Now, I don't want to sugarcoat this for you, but be forewarned, it's at this point of the story when things become incredibly bleak. So, if you'd like to skip ahead a few minutes, now's the time. By the time they had been detained... Word of Knox's supposed confession had spread through Forsyth County like wildfire, and so these two gentlemen became the innocent scapegoats in a situation that was quickly going from bad to worse. You see, not long after the arrests were made, a mob had formed outside of the Gainesville County Jail. The crowds flooded into what was already a very crowded building, and by the time the dust had settled... Rob Edwards was dead. In time, the waters of Lake Lanier drown these events alongside the town of Oscarville, but every so often this grim memory floats to the surface. Some say that the restless spirits of those targeted in this event may still linger around the lake. Others claim that these hateful acts brought a curse onto Oscarville and the reservoir that followed. Now, I don't personally believe that the victims bear any responsibility for this alleged curse, and in the end, I hope these souls are resting peacefully. But at the same time, I wouldn't be surprised if Lake Lanier was holding on to the negativity that must have been conjured during that dark chapter. After all, the old saying holds true, Blood runs thicker than water. Several years back, Georgia found itself in the throes of an unprecedented drought, a scorching period that drastically diminished the water levels of Lake Lanier. I was there, in the wake of that sweltering heat, wading into the lake's extended shallows. My family had been on one of their semi-annual camping trips, and as kids often do, my brother and I decided to venture away from the watchful gaze of our parents. It was on this impromptu trek when we stumbled upon a rather unusual sight. Just beneath the water's surface lay the decaying remnants of an old railroad. I guess you could say the discovery was innocent enough. But even still, there lingered an unsettling feeling in the pit of my stomach. I remember thinking, in somewhat blissful ignorance, that those tracks weren't supposed to be there, And in the end, that assumption, of course, turned out to be true. Looking back now, there's an extra layer of chill to this experience, especially considering the grim nature of what others have found at the bottom of this lake. For some context here, Lake Lanier has always been quite popular with divers. I know, for many, this hardly seems like the ideal place to take a dip. But all the same, roughly 10 million visitors take the plunge into these murky waters each and every year. It's these very divers who have uncovered the water-worn vestiges of a submerged ghost town, right down to the tombstones marking numerous forgotten grave sites. Oh, and as I'm sure you may have guessed, those unfortunate enough to tread above these graves often resurface with harrowing tales to share. according to local lore at least the spirits of those interred in the lake bed have the tendency to reach out from their watery graves there with their arms outstretched towards the surface these undead sirens lie in wait for an unsuspecting passerby when a swimmer does inevitably approach spectral hands pruned and lifeless will wrap impossibly strong around their leg then with the light of the surface slowly fading from view, they are pulled downward into the black abyss of Lake Lanier. Okay, I have to admit, the story does seem a bit out there. But don't dismiss it just yet. After all, there are numerous reports from traumatized divers insisting that they barely made it out alive after experiencing this very phenomenon. Now, this sort of activity does give a bit of credence to a theory that we discussed at length a while back. If you tuned in for episode 25, then you may recall that water is often associated with paranormal activity. Specifically, it is said to act as a conductor, charging up paranormal activity like power to a light. Of course, I will have that episode linked in today's show notes just in case you missed it. But for now, let me ask you this. If water truly ignites the paranormal like a beacon in the dark, then wouldn't it make sense for Georgia's largest and deadliest lake to also be its most haunted? By now, I think it's quite apparent why Lake Lanier is regarded as one of Georgia's most haunted locations. I mean, between a curse that extends from Forsyth County's darkest hour and a submerged swarm of the undead, well, it's safe to say that this reservoir harbors its fair share of haunts. Although, I should mention that there is one remaining spirit that is likely the most feared. In light of that, let's end today's episode by sharing the story of Delia Parker Young, who today is better known as the Lady of the Lake. It was a dark night in 1958, when Susie Roberts and her friend Delia stopped at a gas station in Dawsonville. At first, these two companions seemed far from threatening, although that perception changed as soon as they sped out of the parking lot, leaving their bill unpaid. Behind the wheel of her 1954 Ford sedan, Susie cruised somewhat recklessly down Dawsonville Highway and Delia's blue dress had paled somewhat under the light of the moon. This small band of thieves was on the run, heading toward Three Gables Roadhouse. It was there where they had planned to check up for the evening, but as I'm sure you may have guessed, those plans quite literally took a sharp turn. As they turned onto Jerry Jackson Bridge, Susie lost control of the vehicle The sedan spun out, and within a matter of seconds, Susie Roberts and Delia Parker Young were hurtling towards the unforgiving waters of Lake Lanier. Eighteen months later, the body of a young woman was found floating below Jerry Jackson Bridge. This discovery, along with a set of skid marks that still scarred the overpass up above, had been the only evidence to indicate what may have happened on that fateful night. Obviously, it was a rather frightening sight. According to the local fisherman, who had discovered the remains, this corpse was missing two toes a foot in both hands. And as an unfortunate result, the deceased was eventually buried in an unmarked grave. You see, thanks to the lack of identifiable features, this apparent Jane Doe was never given a positive ID Well, that is, until about three decades later, when yet another discovery was made at the bottom of Lake Lanier. In the fall of 1990, Jerry Jackson Bridge was in great need of repairs. It had been 34 years since this structure was first erected, and as such, it had become corroded and weather-torn. So, in November of that year, restoration efforts were set to begin. The lake bed was of course dredged in preparation for this endeavor, and at first, things seemed to be going swimmingly. However, that initial phase of the project soon came to a screeching halt, when a rusted and mangled car was pulled from the water. Sitting in the driver's seat of this waterlogged vehicle were the skeletal remains of another young woman. Later, thanks to a few personal effects found with the deceased, the coroner determined her identity as Susie Roberts. And so, 31 years later, the aforementioned Jane Doe, along with her handless body, was finally given a name. In the decades that have passed since these incidents, an eerie legend took shape along Jerry Jackson Bridge. Maybe it was due to the premature and ever-so-traumatic nature of her demise, Perhaps her identity, noticeably absent from her tombstone, could be to blame. But regardless of the cause, many Dawsonville locals say that the spirit of Delia Parker Young remains on the bypass over Lake Lanier. Now I myself have made the trek out to that very spot, and yet I never once saw or felt the presence of Delia's spirit. Although I will say that this haunt holds a certain level of let's call it dark ambiance. Not to mention that Jerry Jackson Bridge remains to be a popular destination for local teens, paranormal investigators, and the morbidly enthused. And regardless of my own personal experience here, many of these individuals report bone-chilling encounters with this, the Lady of the Lake. According to those claims, Dilia's spirit can often be seen walking along Jerry Jackson Bridge in the dead of night. Clad in a pale blue gown, Dilia appears, just as she did, on the night of her untimely death. Well, that is, of course, aside from her missing hands. This episode of Haunts was written and produced by me, Courtney Hayes. If you've been enjoying the show so far, I would greatly appreciate it if you could leave us a review. A lot of work goes into each episode, and supporting the show in this way really helps us reach more listeners each week. It's entirely free and takes about 30 seconds, and it would genuinely mean the world to me. Also, if you're interested in learning more about today's topic, I greatly encourage you to check out the show notes section on our website at hauntscast.com. This is the location where I share my sources and provide any visual aid that may be referenced during the show. Finally, I would love to connect with you online. You can find me on Instagram, at hauntscast, or you can join our email list for updates about the show. Thank you again for listening, and until next time, happy haunting.